Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 323 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Hannah Croft. Hannah lives in Canterbury in the UK, where she is a lactation consultant. Welcome, Hannah. Hello. Thank you for having me. It is so nice to be here. I bet that is such a rewarding job, helping mamas and their new babies. Yeah, it's a lovely job. It's a, it's a, you know, a, it's a very a job I feel very fortunate to do because you're going into after going into families' lives at a time when thing when they're very vulnerable. Things are very, you know, it's a huge adjustment, isn't it, becoming a, a parent and and learning to feed your baby on top of everything else that you have to learn about as a new parent. It's a, it's a, you know, I'm in a very privileged position to be involved with families at that time. We know we just assume as new moms that it's going to be easy and it's going to just be like, boop, you feed your baby. No, it was not like that. Uh, my, my first son was born five weeks early and he had trouble latching on. And I don't know if we had lactation consultants back in 1998 when he was born, but it certainly wasn't offered to me. Mm-hmm. And so we, we weren't, weren't successful with breastfeeding. And so I, you know, I'm, of course, you feel a lot of guilt as a new mom, but I was like, I just got to feed this baby. So. Yeah, and 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 that kind of the whole experience of feeding a baby, whether you choose to to breastfeed or not to breastfeed, that it stays with you, doesn't it, for a long time? It's like a birth story. It, your feeding journey often is the same emotions it, it evokes. And I think when you're pregnant, you just sort of think, oh, I just make some decisions about feeding my baby, and that's that. Yeah, well, I made the decision. I was going to breastfeed. There was zero question. Of course I was going to do it. And I wasn't expecting it to be hard. And then it was. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Anyway, and then there's the guilt 
the guilt that you feel, right? So anyway, you're doing very important work and helping <laughs> helping moms and their babies. So let's shift gears. You know I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? So I came to intermittent fasting February last year. So that's February 2022. I had a bit of a, a different introduction to intermittent fasting. So if I go back a little bit, I've always struggled with my weight. I've always been bigger from, a, you know, even from a teenager, I remember feeling, you know, I, I had issues around my weight. I was very aware of what I was eating. And just before I got married in 2009, and I lost three stone in the lead up to the wedding, I felt fantastic, had, you know, had an amazing dress, felt good. And then had two children and life went on and I put the weight back on. And over time, I would it would be something that I thought about a lot. You know, I tried to lose the weight. But when you've got little children, it's 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 very difficult. It's very difficult to find the time and the energy, very difficult. Um, so, yeah, it's something I kind of battled with as long as I can remember. My weight's gone up and down, sort of have periods of success, periods where it's not so successful. And then last February, I was particularly heavy and I had had some you know misfortune with work I'd gone for a promotion not got the promotion was feeling generally kind of very down in the dumps about myself and I took myself out for a sort of for a I say run but it was more of a jog I tried to I tried to, to exercise I felt that was the key to losing weight you know it's perennially trying to exercise to get it off and I tend to run similar routes near my, near my home similar times of day I see the similar people you know walking their dogs out with their children that sort of thing and I happened to run a route that I've run thousands of times before. And there was a, a middle-aged man in the middle of the field. And I was aware he was watching me, but it didn't feel kind of threatening or worrying or anything. It just felt, it felt okay. I ran nearer to him and he said, I'm really sorry to stop you, but can I just ask you, are you running for weight loss? And I was a bit sort of taken aback. But I said, <laughs> that's, a, that's a very bold question to yeah, ask someone. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> But at the yeah. time, it just it just did, it didn't you know I didn't think anything of it really, and I said, oh yeah, no, I I am I'm I'm you know I'm I'm really trying to lose weight, and he said, I need you to go home, and when you get home, Google intermittent fasting, it's it's going to change your life, and God, I get I get goosebumps even now thinking about it, and so I did, I came home and I googled it, and I started the next day, and I've never seen him again. It's, it's like it's like one of those like you know angels from heaven that was in the field. I mean, yeah, I got a lot of goosebumps too. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not a religious person. I'm not a particularly spiritual person, but I honestly think he was probably sent to me that day because I was just having a really rough time and I needed a boost. So that was my introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, random man in the field or angel from God or. Yeah. Yeah. Spirit from the universe or whoever that man was. was, or just nosy man who says things to people he doesn't Perhaps. know. <laughs> Perhaps. But I mean, if you think about it, a middle-aged man approaching, you know, a female runner, he it, it is unusual, isn't it? it? You'd have to, he'd have to be really confident in himself to do that and not think that I was going to, you know, run off and, you know, raise the alarm or anything. So it was a really, it was a really bizarre set of circumstances, but it, it it's changed my life. I love it. So you went home and you Googled it. When you, when you said the words intermittent fasting, did you think that sounds crazy? I was kind of aware of it because, we, you know, we've got, we've got, I've been aware of kind of the 5-2 thing for a long time in the UK. Yeah, we've that got, was big like in the UK. Is, yeah, yeah. So I, I guess it's been on my radar, but it's, it had always felt very kind of intimidating, I think. So I came home and Googled it. And when I Googled it, it came up with the idea of kind of, 16-8 and I thought oh I, I reckon I could do that I could I could build that into my lifestyle so I, I started the next day and I'd started doing I'd open my window at 3 p.m and I'd close it at nine so I actually started doing 18-6 straight off the bat that's a lot to start with I think I was just I was desperate I just wanted something that was going to work and it did work it you know it works so yeah I started with Eighteen six, and then very, uh, and then built up. And by the summer, I was so this was in February, and so by the summer, I was doing OMAD, and I, I came across your wonderful work because I went onto podcasts and it typed in intermittent fasting, and yours came top of the list. So I started listening to them immediately, and I've listened ever since. Um, so you know, both of yours that come out every week, I've listened to the intermittent fasting stories, and it's just you know so inspiring and so helpful. And I also listen to your 
books on Audible straight away. I, I, as soon as I found the podcast, I went onto Audible and, and downloaded your books and listened to those when I was exercising as well. And it just, it spoke to me in a way that nothing ever has before. It was just so doable and it made sense. And it felt, for the first time, I felt like I wasn't in a battle with my body. I felt like I was in, you know, it, I was working with my body and understanding it in a way that I've nev- never had before. You know, I love that because... You know, I look back at everything before intermittent fasting, and it did feel like a battle with my body. Everything. It felt like I was battling against the, you know, the, the inner drives that I had, you know, but we understand why. Once we, you know, and I talk about this in the introduction of Fast Feast Repeat about why, you know, what we learned from the Minnesota starvation experiment and how low-calorie diets, how we're not well-fueled, and that's why we're hangry, and we, we really are battling with our bodies. Everything I ever did felt like working against what my body wanted because my body was like, nope, I hate this. The body hated the low-calorie dieting. The body hated when I gave up carbs or when I gave up, you know, whatever it was and, and, and followed, you know, some restrictive diet plan. But you're right. Working with my body with intermittent fasting is just such a game changer because we finally learned to listen. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it's changed my relationship with food. It's changed my understanding of my body. It's changed my confidence in my body as well, because I feel like my body is, is, is a wonderful thing rather than feeling it's something I'm in combat with. Yeah, that's that's very, very true. And, you know, once you understand that all the challenges you faced before were just your body trying to, trying to help you through whatever it was, they're like, oh, you're not eating enough. I'm going to send you a more appetite so you'll eat, you know? And instead, we're like, why am I so hungry? Well, it's your body telling you you're not, you were that low-calorie diet wasn't working. But having that confidence in your body is huge, knowing that, hey, I can fast, and my body can tap into my fat stores, and I can delay eating till three or whenever that might be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So from that February until February this year, I lost, I've lost 42 pounds. So that's three stone. Yeah, I never, I never, I always have to, are stones, are they like 14 pounds? 14 pounds. That's what I thought. I I had that in the back of my head. So you've lost 42 pounds over the first year. And are you where you would like to be? So my goal was always to get to a healthy BMI. And I know BMI, it's all a bit controversial anyway, isn't it? So when I started last February, I was obese and I was quite far into the obese category. And I'm now about four pounds off a healthy BMI. So I'm nearly there, but I have reached a bit of a plateau and I now swing between feeling kind of really excited and pleased that I've lost three stone and I'm in an amazing position. But then at the same time, it's it has all just slowed and stopped and I haven't lost any weight for a couple of months. It's a tricky place to be in a sense because I'd love to kind of just get over that final hurdle and lose the weight. But equally, I do feel I've got the tools. I know I know this will work. At some point, my body will, will, get, will get going again. And it's just having the confidence in it that this, it's okay and it will, will get there. Sometimes we have to do a little something to get our body out off of that plateau. And sometimes we don't, though. How long has it been since you have listened to Fast Feast Repeat? I haven't gone back and listened to it since last year when I first okay. listened to it. Well, I have homework for you. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I was hoping you'd say that. Find the plateau chapter and listen to it. And in the plateau chapter, that was, I wrote it. I was still, you know, of course, managing Facebook groups at that time. And we we did a survey in the Facebook group, you know, talking about, you know, what busted your plateau. And people you know, gave their answers of what, what had worked well for them to bust their plateau. And I talk about all of that in the plateau chapter. Now, the number one plateau buster was time, just giving it time because, you know, your body might just be taking a break, especially since I find it interesting. You said that, you know, you lost three stone before you got married. Were you right around this weight right here where you are now? Yeah. Or yeah. Okay. See, it, it sounds like that you're at a place where your body gets comfortable. And, you know, the science of weight set points, it's not really something that, you know, I've been able to find hard science about like proving weight set points or anything, but we just have a lot of experience where people find that it happens. Like our bodies settle in, you know, like I like to think of the analogy as like a thermostat, you know, you got your thermostat set to a temperature and your heat and air conditioning, you know, come on or off based on what that thermostat is set to. And so it's reasonable to feel that our bodies have a set point where they like to be. I do think you can change it. 
I think that we can, you know, we can do things. But again, the science of that is a little bit murky. Maybe there's more out there. I've looked for it before, not lately. But I do think there's something to it because so many of us tend to have the same thing. Like I am quote plateaued right at the weight where I am right now and my body's really happy here and it likes to be in this range the good news is this is where I also like to be I don't want to be lower but when you are settled somewhere and your body doesn't seem to want to be lower but your mind does that's when you have to start thinking okay what can I do to maybe lower that set point so that's where some ADF could come in handy. Yeah I, I have considered doing it but I just it's it's hard because I I what works so well with me doing OMAD is that I can look forward to eating all day and it, it, I really do look forward to that meal and I don't know how I should test myself shouldn't I I should test well, it well I've got I've got some tips for that so you can still eat every day with alternate daily fasting. It's just you have the five five hundred calorie 100. down day. Yeah. I know, I know. You, it sounds so hard. Have you listened to Leslie Taylor's episode yet? No, it, it just well, came yes, out. Probably when was okay, it? Okay, it came. It came out. Wait, what is today? Oh, it Tuesday. hasn't come out yet. No, wait, or did it come out last week? No, it was last week. It was last week. See, I'm so confused. I released the episodes early in my community. So the people in the community get to hear all the weekly episodes on Monday. But yeah, it came out last week. So last week on Thursday, and we're recording this in May, Leslie Taylor's episode came out. So you might not have had a chance to hear it yet because it was just a few days ago. But she talks about ADF and how that just really changed everything for her. We are more likely to plateau with one meal a day. Just because we get in our, it's homeostasis, right? Our bodies adapt to anything that is really the same day in, day out. Your body's like, all right, we're comfortable here. We found an intake amount of food that feels good. And then we're eating that same amount every day, pretty much. And so your body is like comfortable and more likely to, to be plateaued. That is where some ADF can really make a difference because on the down days, if you're having the 500 calorie down day, you still have one meal, but it's a 500 calorie meal. And, you know, that sounds so stark and like hard and like, I don't want to do that. But, you know, in the, you know, I haven't, I haven't had a, a down day on purpose. I mean, maybe I accidentally had a day like that where I didn't realize I was doing it, but I haven't had a 500 calorie down day since probably 2016. But, in the community, people who are sharing their down day meals, you would be amazed at how much food a 500 calorie down day meal can be. You know, lots and lots of veggies and, you know, eggs are really satisfying. And you you've have a lot of people have like a big salad and put some protein on there. And so you're still eating every day. But on the down day, the 500 calorie meal down day, that's when your body really can tap into some stored fat because, you know, 500 calories is not much energy for the day. But then the up day is so, so important. And the hardest part for someone like you who's been doing one meal a day for so long would be the up day. The down day is not going to be the hard day. For you, it's going to be the up day and, and starting eating early enough in the day, like starting with breakfast and having three meals that day is what's going to be hard. But that is what boosts your metabolic rate. And, and get your body off that stuckness. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by by Optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10. 
If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So... Down day for the fat loss, up day for the metabolic boost. And, you know, some people are like, well, you know, that sounds like, you know, that 500 calorie meal sounds like, you know, quote, cheating. And like, it would be better to do a full fast. And actually, you know, the research on ADF, most of it was done with that 500 calorie down day. And so it is not cheating. It's the original way ADF was designed. And of course, that's the way you talked about 5-2 that came through the UK in maybe 2012 or something. Michael Mosley, it had the 500-calorie days. And it was completely based on the work of Krista Verity with the, the alternate daily fasting research. He just got his book out first. <laughs> she was out there researching it, and he just got the book out, Michael Mosley, or his, his documentary, I guess, came out. And then people were like, let's try it. But, you know, you, on the down day, you fast clean all day. You have that small 500-calorie meal. You close that window. And then you fast till the next morning. And then you have an up day. Yeah, I need to try it, don't I? Well, I, I really think, you know, if you're happy where you are, if you, if you are, you know, happy where your body is, your body might just stay where you are right now. But a little bit of ADF here and there can really can really get that metabolism going again. Get it going. Yeah, because I do feel like it's a bit stuck in a rut. And that's probably why it feels a bit challenging to think about changing it because this is what I've been doing for a year and this has worked. So it does feel a bit it does feel a bit strange. See, for me, I was always like, you know, I talked in Fast Feast Repeat about how I never had a perfect month of like, like this month, I will have all of my eating windows five hours or less. I never, never did that. So I'm the kind of person who would throw in up days just because it was like a celebratory day or the weekend or we were traveling or I had friends over. And so I always threw in some longer eating window days just because that's how I live my life. And then some days I would be busy. Like yesterday, for example, I recorded a podcast. We started at 4 p.m. and I don't like to eat before recording. So I only probably had an hour and a half window last night. And so I naturally have days that that are downish, uppish, just from the way I live my life. But the people who really get in a groove and they're like, every day is very, very similar. That's when you're more likely, I think, to get stuck. Yeah. And I think that's probably what's happened. So I just need to get it, I get it going again. So you weren't expecting all this like, like coaching. Well, you know, I was, no, do you know, I was kind of hoping, I was kind of hoping, well, for good. It, but it's also, I, I really don't want it to seem that I'm being negative about it because it's been the most life. It's like, I wore some shorts yesterday. I was saying to my husband, I wore some shorts that Two summers ago, I hang up on my bookcase and I was like, these are my target shorts. I'm going to get in these shorts and this is going to fit me and I'm going to wear them all summer. Didn't ever happen. I wore them yesterday and they're actually too big, if anything. And I mean, that that is amazing. You know, when I first wanted to lose 75 pounds, 2014, when I, that was my goal, I was like, I want to lose 75 pounds and I want to be a size six. That is what I wanted. And then I lost 75 pounds. And surprisingly, thanks to body recomposition, I was a four, not a six. But I was like, this is not really where I want to be. I do want to lose more weight. This, this, I still have more fat on my body than I would like to have on my body. And so, you know, I, I, I kept losing weight. And actually, my body just lost what it wanted to lose. It wasn't like I said, all right, now I'm here. My body said that. But... The thing is, is that I get it. You know, you had that goal of fitting into those shorts. Now those shorts are too big, but you realize, huh, I would like a little bit more. And that's okay. We deserve to feel our very best in our bodies, I think. 
yeah it's a work in progress isn't it and I and I I, I recognize I've just got to change it up a bit to get it to kind of kick start it again and that's that's okay yeah and I don't think that there's anything negative with that because it's just understanding it really is once you understand like you talked about before you know you the you know feeling like you're not in a battle with your body but it's a, a matter of really understanding how the body works and you and why you're plateaued and once you understand why then you've got the tools to kind of work with that and figure it out I mean, are you plateaued because this is where your body wants to be forever and it's never going to get lower than that? That's always a possibility. That's that's my plateau. <laughs> my plateau since 2016 or what 2015 or whenever I got down to my smallest size, but that plateau is because this is where my body wants to stay. But, you know, you you I, I definitely think there's potential for you to Yes. And, and honestly, if, if this is where I'm meant to be, this is where I'm meant to be. And that's fine. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to ruin my life constantly. You know, I'm not getting, I'm not going to get back into that battle. I'm not, I'm not prepared to do that, but I, 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 you know, I can fiddle around with it, can't I? And I can, uh, I can try. We've got so many tools in our toolbox and, you know, releasing the old, old diet mindset and the whole battling instead of approaching it with curiosity, like, all right, I wonder what I could do, you know, like, for example, with my food choices and never, I never, never again want to feel that I am restricting or can't enjoy delicious food until I'm satisfied, but I can certainly tweak what those foods are. You know, as far as like eat more beans, eat less cheese. That's <laughs> that would make my body happy, and just just a little bit like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I did. I just finished Zoe recently as well, which I think has been really interesting and maybe a bit confusing as well because I think that's. I don't want to say it's throwing a spanner in the works, but it's kind of given me something else to think about. That again, I was kind of in my stride. And then I did that, and now it's kind of figuring figuring out how that fits in as well. Okay, so tell me where you are in the process of Zoe. Oh, and by the way, you haven't heard yet. The, the podcast hasn't come out yet. It comes out Thursday of this week. It's already out for people who are listening right now, the listeners. But the, I did an interview with Tim Spector. Oh, wow. Yeah, and because he, he's an intermittent faster. So everybody who's listening now, the episode's already out. But for Hannah, it comes out in two days from today. <laughs> but, you know, he's the guy. He's the head of Zoe. But so what have you already gotten your results back? You have? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got my results back. And I have got re- I've got good blood sugar control, poor blood fat control. What I would be really interested in is what my results would have been before I started fasting. Because I think I was probably on, I was think I was probably having some sort of insulin resistance or on the cusp of being insulin resistant. So you know, it was a really positive result to get back in the sense around the sugar, particularly because I think I would have had different results. The fat thing wasn't that much of a shock to me, if I'm honest, but it's it's working out how much of it I can I use going forward and how much of it I just kind of think about and reflect upon, I think. Yeah, for me, it was disappointing to get my blood fat results back because dairy fat, even though, you know, my bo- I'm lactase persistent, I've talked about this before, genetically, and say so my body can handle dairy, a lot of bodies genetically can't, but for the blood fat clearance, dairy is not really my friend. So if, if my goal were to lose more weight, using olive oil instead of butter is high up there on my priority list. I don't know if you heard Lucy I had on the podcast. I don't know if she had gone through Zoe yet when I had her on the podcast or not. She's in the Delay Don't Deny community. But Lucy has been with with us since our our One Meal a Day Facebook day. So she's been with us a long time. She was a moderator in the Facebook group. She lives in the UK. She's a a cookery teacher. That's the way Lucy says it. I think I've seen her post. I did join the the community for a month to try it out. Oh, yay. Well, Lucy Lucy posts a lot. She posts her dinner. Um, Usually there's a glass of wine and a cute dog in the photo because she's got the cutest dogs. They love to watch her have her dinner. But they're always like, Mom, please, can I have some? Anyway, Lucy. Lucy went through Zoe, and she had been at a very stable weight through one meal a day for literally years. And then she just started following the Zoe recommendations, and she was a healthy eater before. But she just, you know, instead of butter, she started using olive oil, and she started... And she she shrunk in size, and the clothes that had fit her for years were suddenly too big. Yeah, and, and she looked so much younger. I mean, like, Lucy's transformation just from following the Zoe recommendations is... 
has been really like eye opening. So am I as good at following those recommendations as Lucy? No. <laughs> I still throw that butter in the pan, you know, but give that a try. Really, really lean into those recommendations. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think I will. The thing is, it, it, obviously, it came back. It came back for me that um, steak was not a good a good choice, and steak and salad is one of my go to favorite meals. So having to rethink that is is challenging, isn't it? Yes, it absolutely is. You know, for me, butter and cheese and cream—that's you know not high scoring for me. And so having to think about, huh. <laughs> <laughs> these foods, I love them. They are delicious. But if, if you're if you're stuck on a plateau and and struggling with that that next step of getting those last few pounds off, making those tweaks, you don't have to make them forever. But just you know, see what happens, see how good you feel. Because I felt amazing following the Zoe recommendations when I did. But then I'm like, here's the butter. It's back in my life. So. <laughs> But again, I'm not trying to lose any more weight. So I no, think that's you're, you're yeah. maintaining, aren't you? So you've got a bit more flexibility with it. Exactly. Exactly. But I do think about it. You know, sometimes I think about, you know, when I'm ordering my my meals for the you know, my meal delivery kits, I think about, oh, that one looks good. Yeah, but, you know, I don't need to have three meals this week that have ground beef or sausage in them, right? I don't need to have. You know, it, it's it's pushed me more towards just being aware of, and I'm not feeling like I'm restricted. But you know, last night we had a delicious a delicious Green Chef meal that was beans and rice, and it had corn like a street corn on top and guacamole on it, and it was absolutely delicious and satisfying. And I didn't score it for Zoe; it might have had a little more fat than it should have. I don't know from me, but it was delicious and satisfying. Yeah. I think the, the really positive things that Zoe's brought to, to my life is using things like the pulses, the beans, the nuts, the oils, that I, it's just opened up other options. And I like the challenge of trying to get 30 plants in a week. I do enjoy that. It is a lot of fun. And it, it's, again, it's not like diety to think about. It's like, it feels like a game. Yeah, it does. And, and a game that you're, it's, it's doing good things, you know, it's, it's good outcomes, so yeah, it's it's lots of positives. Yeah, feeding that gut microbiome well. So that's that's some some great advice. Just we're not worried so much about like necessarily getting everything out. It's what can you add in? And we always want our meals to be delicious and satisfying. We never want to feel like we can't have stuff. We're just choosing. Like I'm choosing to use olive oil instead of as much butter because I know that my body will like that better. You know, and the food is delicious when I'm done. That's that's always got to be true. So overall, have your taste in food changed? I think I'm just much more aware of eating more, you know, eating cleaner, I think. Whole food, things more in their natural state, less processed things. Once, um, when I first started listening to your podcasts, I remember listening to somebody from the UK who's, who, who recorded one with you. And it was way, it was before I'd kind of cottoned onto the idea of the clean fast. And you were talking during the podcast about fasting clean. And I thought, I thought at that stage it meant, well, no, you know, the thought of having to give up Diet Coke and chewing gum at that stage was absolutely horrific because it was before I'd started clean fasting. And I was still kind of going through the days on chewing gum and looking forward to Diet Coke. And I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, well, I'm never going to be able to do that. <laughs> but, you know, things change, don't they? And now I, I haven't chewed chewing gum in months. I very rarely would drink something like Diet Coke just because I, I don't, my body doesn't need it. And I found things that I enjoy more. That really is huge. You know, feeling like, you know, before you understand the clean fast and you're stuck on, you know, what, what you're used to. And I, I promise you, before I read the obesity code and understood how insulin works in the body, like I had no idea because at that time before, before reading that, every person talking about intermittent fasting said intermittent fasting works because you're eating fewer calories. The end. That is what everyone said. And some people still say it. Although I think that's a very naive way of looking at the body now that we understand, you know, how it works. But I would have sworn up and down that the stevia I was putting in my coffee and the gum I was chewing, quote, worked for me. It wasn't until I got rid of it that I realized it. Oh, that really wasn't working for me because it was so much easier without it. I thought it was making it easier and it was really making it harder. But 
I would have sworn to you that it made it, it that worked for me. Yeah, and when you understand what it's doing to your, you know, your blood sugar levels, it just it makes complete sense, doesn't it? You know, yeah, just yeah. Obviously, now I drink black coffee during my fasting window, and when I go to get a black coffee from a coffee shop, and you see people ordering these very, you know, I know you call them coffee milkshakes, and you just think, God, it's not even nine o'clock in the morning. What what is that going to be doing to your insulin for the rest of the day? It's quite hard not to feel a bit smug, isn't it? Yes, that's a very good way of putting it. And then especially when you try to order the black coffee and then the person, the barista or whatever is like, do you want room me to leave room for cream and sugar? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> Are you sure? Can I put anything? Nope, just black. <laughs> Fill it up. Just black, please. Yeah, <laughs> it feels so good. And, you know, the, the funny one of the funniest intermittent fasting community stories is that the expert, I can't think of which one, I can't think of his name. It's like in my brain somewhere, but it was like a guy who was talking, you know, he, he had an interview about fasting and he was like, you're not allowed to have coffee while fasting. Do not have coffee. And I mean, back, back then that set out quite a ripple. People was when we saw the Facebook groups and maybe this was like 2017, 2018. I can't remember when he did that interview. But everyone was like sharing it like, oh, my God, we can't even have coffee. I'm like, well, look, if you don't want to have coffee, don't have coffee. That's fine. You don't have to. But then I heard that same guy in another interview and and someone asked him, what about the coffee? And he's like, well, you know, coffee shouldn't raise your insulin. And most of the studies are done on mice and we can't really ask them. But the reason I tell people not to have coffee is because I watch people in the coffee shop and they all put in cream and sugar. And so I just say don't have coffee. Right. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. No. So he he told people they couldn't have coffee because he knew most people would be putting crap in there. And the coffee was fine. It's not about but the coffee. He, yeah. Yeah. It was easier to tell people just don't have coffee than to tell them what not to put in their coffee. <laughs> anyway, I'm drinking my black coffee right now in my little coffee <laughs> I've got I've got, I've got sparkling water. I've got a soda stream which you can carbonate water and it's been it's one of my best purchases to support my intermittent fasting lifestyle because I just drink bottles and bottles of bottles of this every day and it's just more interesting than still water plain well I know I love it that's fabulous so it, it's not hard at all it's it's it you know the fizzy water is more entertaining isn't it yeah 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 it tastes it feels more like a special drink doesn't it than just tap water it really does. So let's go back a little bit. You know, you talked about at the beginning that you always struggled with your weight. You know, how early do you remember in your life feeling like weight was a struggle? Oh, really young. I would say 11, 12, being aware that I looked different. My body was different. Yeah, a long time ago. Okay. So that that was pretty young. And did you try to diet early on? Yeah, I think my fam you know my my parents would try and be supportive and try and help me kind of pursue a healthier like you know a healthy lifestyle and you know they'd encourage me to walk home from school and send me in with a health you know healthy lunch to school and all these things so I was always kind of very aware of it and my friends would kind of be tucking it you know launching into the tuck shop at school and you know having sweets and crisps and I felt like I couldn't do that so yeah I think it's been it's been a kind of subliminal message to, to me my whole life in that you know my I was fat. I was fat, you know. I was... So that that's really hard when we start feeling that from that young age. Yeah, and I think what's particularly one of the things that I find r- r- the most moving about finding intermittent fasting is that I've got an 11-year-old daughter and I feel I've I've got the tools that if she ever comes up, you know, I I don't mention the way she looks, her, you know, nothing like that. But if she ever came to me and said that she felt uncomfortable or she wanted to do something about her weight, I've got the tools to help her that doesn't feel restrictive. And obviously my children see me fasting and they see me eating well as well. So I, I really hope that I'm giving them positive messages around food. And I've got, I've got a daughter and a son. My daughter's 11 and my son's just eight. But I think there's a particular thing about daughters and diet and foods because we were brought up with messages that are different to the messages we want to be giving, ideally. 100% yes. And, you know, I, I didn't really internalize my mother's dieting as much as I internalized her body hatred, right? Those are the lessons I really got. And and so, you know, her talking about her, her thighs, you know, she was a dance teacher. I've talked about this before, where we were always wearing tights 
and you know just fe- always feeling like we had to criticize our bodies like she would she would say things like you know i don't feel like like a better self like she would say like i can't wear shorts because no one should have to look at these thighs and and that made me realize, like well my thighs look just like yours so i can't wear shorts either you know and and that that really those, those are the messages she wasn't trying to send that message to me but she was just you know talking about what felt you know how she felt and I just internalized that message. So being aware of, of what we say about our bodies and what we say about food in front of our kids is so important because they are watching and listening and they are taking it in. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I think particularly around what you wear, because I think a lot of the messages I got growing up was you haven't got the right body to wear that. Yes, that is 100% the message I got. I did not have the right body. Like the shorts I'm wearing today are shorter than, I mean, of course, when I was in high school before I hit puberty, I wore like short, short, like OP shorts. I don't know if anyone's my age can remember how short those were, but I wore short shorts and didn't care. But as soon as I got cellulite and thighs, I was like, nope. Covering those up. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, it's not a positive way to see yourself, is it? No, it's not. And now I'm, you know, I'm 53 and I'm like, whatever, this is, these are the shorts I'm going to wear. These are shorter than anything I wore other than those, those youthful years. And I'm, I don't even care anymore because it's like, th- these are my legs. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's a huge freedom, isn't it? That's, that's a freedom in itself. It absolutely is. So you mentioned that you were running, you were running for weight loss. Do you still run for the joy of it? I do run. I do run and I enjoy it. I love it. In fact, I really enjoy it because I can see my body getting fitter and better at it. But I've also in the last month joined a gym, which is something that I never, ever thought I would do because I didn't look like the sort of person that should go to a gym. But yeah, I've done it and I'm really enjoying it. I'm doing some classes. I'm doing a bit of weight. So I'm just changing changing things up and, and, and doing things that I just wouldn't have felt confident to do before. So that's a huge non-scale victory in that I'm, I'm, I'm got a confidence in my body that I just never thought I would have. I love that. So what, what classes are you enjoying? So I've done some step classes. I've done some legs, bums and tums classes. I did one of those yesterday, actually, and my legs are, I'm very aware of my thighs today. <laughs> I've done a couple of combat ones. But yeah, it's 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 thinking about exercise in a, a way for enjoyment as much as it being about I've got to get this fat off. Yeah, that that's what I really think. I think we should uncouple the ideas of gotta gotta exercise to get this fat off, and instead think about it as I want to move my body and be strong and have fun and have strong bones and strong muscles. Yes, yep, and to feel good, but disconnect it from like weight loss expectations. I agree. And I think that's been a bit of a revelation in itself to me that actually you, you can enjoy something, you know, moving your body and, and get some real joy from it, as opposed to thinking it's got to go, you've got, it's got to be something you go out and you do and you hate every moment of it, and then it's done. It's finding things that, you know, finding ways to move your body that you enjoy. Yeah, and it's got to be fun that you've got to enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I think as well. I mean, even if it's like hard, you know, that enjoy enjoying that hard, whatever it is you're doing, if you enjoy it, you know, it shouldn't, I don't agree with no pain, no gain. I mean, obviously, you're going to have some sore muscles, but it's just, you shouldn't hate it. It's a good it. sign. Yeah. Sore muscles are a good sign, I think. I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely are. So tell me about some of your other non-scale victories. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. If you're constantly on the hunt for a good deal, then you need Rakuten. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop because members get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, traveling, dining, and more. You're already shopping at your favorite stores. Why not save while you're doing it? It's a no-brainer. Get the Rakuten app now and join the 17 million members who are already saving. Cashback rates change daily. See Rakuten.com for details. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Your cash back really adds up. 
I've definitely had the lack of the loss of dry skin on my elbows. Yeah, isn't that remarkable? About that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing I've really noticed a change in my my periods are I used to, before I started fasting I had really long you know bleeding periods and that's changed. You know my period starts and my period stops a few days later and it's done. So it and feels it, it, it feels seems, better regulated and more oh, like it yeah, should be. And it, and it yeah, and it's sorry, TMI for anybody who's listening. Okay, that's fine. Look, cycles. everybody here listening is either a woman or knows a woman. So <laughs> we should normalize these conversations, right? <laughs> yeah, we should. We should. And it's definitely made a change for that, which is too big a coincidence for it not to be related to the fasting. But I think my body's just probably working better and working more efficiently. I love that you mentioned that because. You know, even just the other day, somebody who's a man who on Instagram who talks about fasting, he made a broad statement on Instagram that said women should not fast every day. Like, I'm like, you know, there's that whole mistaken idea that that it's like bad for us to do this every day. That and it's out there, just like breakfast is the most important meal of the day, or you need to eat six small meals to boost your metabolic rate. People say these things enough, and people start to believe them, but. You know, I've heard so many stories like yours, women who fast every day. I fast every day and I, I did, you know, I've done it for years and it, it never negatively affected me hormonally. It only positively, like I had terrible trouble with fibroids before intermittent fasting. My periods, I felt like I was going to die. It was awful. I had fibroid surgery. And then, you know, before fasting that I, I felt like the fibroids were coming back because it was starting to happen again. After fasting, all that went away, and it just felt more normal. So, you know, the whole idea that that it's bad for our hormones, you, you're you feeling better hormonally than you were before. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I'm intrigued by this. You know, I've, there's, there's been books out recently, haven't there, about eating, fasting differently depending on where, where you are in your and cycle. And see, this is what, what I was just talking to Chad about this last night. I'm like, because those are frustrating because then people are, like, thinking they, they can't fast. But... I've never one time ever in my life seen a book that said that women should not do low calorie dieting certain months, certain weeks of the month. You know, where where were those conversations when we were all over exercising, over restricting? No one said, "Hey ladies, it's not good for you to over restrict and eat 1200 calories a day." No, they're like, "Eat less, move more, do it all the time." You know, on on the Biggest Loser television show, those women were eating nothing and exercising like lunatics. It wasn't their fault. That's what they were made to do for the television show. And no one said, oh, it's around your cycle. Let's take this week off. So suddenly, yes, suddenly fasting is like this thing that's like we're so delicate. But I don't know. I am not over-restricting in my eating window. And I think that's the issue. Women should not over-restrict and and overdo ever but that counts for fasting or anything anyway that's just there's my ted talk thank you (laughs) no no i think i think it's really true because i think it's just about being respectful to your body generally i think perhaps the messages around what what they're implying around kind of paying attention to where your body is and and listening to what your body needs but that should happen regardless that's 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 something you should tune into anyway isn't it and I also think that it comes it comes along with that mistaken idea that fasting is overly restrictive. And that is certainly not the way I recommend people practice intermittent fasting in an overly restrictive way. But that that's not, you know, we fast, we feast, we repeat, we nourish our bodies well. And that is good for us. Yeah, you're missing the point if you feel right. it's restrictive. Yes, if you're fasting in a way that is so restrictive, your body is rebelling, the problem is not the fasting. The problem is the overly restrictive manner in which you're refeeding your body. And that could happen, like I said, the most restrictive I ever was was when I was eating all day long and low-calorie dieting. That was not good for my body. So anyway, I didn't say a word on that Instagram post where where the women shouldn't fast. And I just kept scrolling and moved on. Yeah, and just take a deep breath and let it <laughs> let slide on by. Yeah, but I, I love that you mentioned that your periods have gotten better and you feel like you're in a better place hormonally because I think that yeah, says absolutely. it all. 
yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm feeling kind of braced for, for um, you know, what's to come in the, you know, hopefully not for a dec- decade or so, but in terms of kind of menopause and, and kind of how fasting can be a tool for that. Along, so as well as working as a lactation consultant, I work for a company that has really good menopause support program. Oh, good. So, it's some, so menopause is something that I'm very aware of in the back of my mind as well. And I've heard you talk about it and how fasting can be a really helpful tool for it. So I'm, you know, again, super grateful to have it up my sleeve if and if and when I need to change things because of absolutely you know, well I, I think I'm glad that you have good menopause support because that's so important and so many women have not had that support for for you know a few decades now and having this conversation I'm certainly not the only person you know out there talking about this it's funny I think a lot of us are my age group women we are not the ones we were raised to like say what we thought I don't know <laughs> But we're like, wait a minute, like our moms didn't talk about it, but we're like, we're going to talk about it. You know, we're not just going to sit by quietly and have pain for the rest of our lives. Or withdraw, because I think historically when we, when we went through the menopause, they would kind of withdraw back from society, wouldn't they? Because they'd feel so rubbish, presumably, and their bodies were kind of lacking those hormones that we need to be, you know, invigorated and healthy. And so you people would kind of withdraw and you wouldn't see them again. Or they would just die because people just died so much younger. Like they weren't living, you know, 53 was like old grandma, right? And I'm like, wait a minute. No, 53, I'm still <laughs> vibrant. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're not willing to be old grandma at 53. No, no, no. Life has changed, hasn't it? Our expectations. Yeah. And with the increased lifespan, we we don't want. I like the word health span. We don't want just want to have a lifespan. We want to have a health span. Yeah. We want yeah. to be healthy Quality. as we go. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So I know you're here sharing your story. Um, do you share in your daily life with people? If anybody asks, I will. But it's it's difficult. It's funny, isn't it? Because some people, you know, you say they say, well, "What have you done?" You obviously, I look different. What have you done? Oh, I'm I'm using intermittent fasting. And some people kind of are fascinated, and some people you see them sort of visibly recoil and think, "Oh my god, I couldn't possibly do that." You're starving yourself. So it's kind of picking your audience, isn't it? Yeah, I don't, you're, you're probably not yelling it from fields at people that are running by. No, no, I haven't done that yet. I joked <laughs> with my husband and said, "Oh, should I tell that person about intermittent fasting?" He said, "No, no, I think you know, I'm not at that point yet." <laughs> Yeah, I, I it is hard to not want to tell everybody. Like if you see somebody like looking at diet shakes or something, you want to say, no, stop. <laughs> Don't do it. But yeah, if people are interested and they want to know, you know, even if they recoil in shock and say, oh my God, I could never do it. At least you've planted that seed. And, you know, we hear so often of people who first said, oh my God, no, I could never do that. And then like a year later, they're asking you for tips. Yeah, because sometimes you have to hear something from a few sources, don't you, to make it sort of valid in your mind. And so I think, if you know, maybe I'm just one of the, you know, just throwing in the penny and then someone else will. And that that's how they'll come to it. Absolutely. I, I, that's why I think everyone should share without fear, just because you just never know. And if you've got the potential to change someone's life the way intermittent fasting changed yours, you know, you wouldn't. It's too good to keep to yourself, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're doing everybody else a disservice, aren't you? You kind of have to pass it on, pass on the good time. Yeah. And even if they don't feel receptive at the time, they, they heard you and whether they do anything with it later is, is up to them. But <laughs> so is there anything that you struggle with? Um, well, I think some days are harder than others. It does. It's not always easy, is it? It works, but it's not always easy. But like you said, sometimes you have to push through the hard to get the good results. And again, it's it's sitting with it if it's hard. Like, and you can ask yourself, why is this hard today? What feels hard? And you know, for me, you know, we talked about you know periods and cycles. Every single month, you know, prior, prior to me going through menopause, I would have one extremely hungry day the day before my period started, and I would be starving like all day and just hungry, 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 couldn't get enough to eat. And I'm always like, why am I so hungry today? Then the next day, my period would start, and every month I was surprised. But, you know, understanding maybe you could start making that connection. Maybe that's why it's hard. Or maybe you worked out a little extra. Or maybe you just are sad and you're looking for something emotional. But like leaning into that feeling of why is this feeling like a challenge today? That can help. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, sometimes it is just harder than other days. And, and that's okay. It, if, it, if it was easy all the time, it wouldn't, it wouldn't feel such an achievement, would it? That's true. Yeah. And even I have challenging days sometimes where I'm like looking at the clock and thinking, I would just like to eat now. And sometimes I, you know, 
I'll eat earlier on because I just feel like I need to that day. So does anyone in your in your life close to you practice intermittent fasting? My husband does actually. Oh, yay! So, I, so, I <laughs> he's fallen into it because of me. He mostly does OMAD as well. He we you know, we both get through the down black coffee and water and then we generally eat our meal evening meal together and then close our windows again so he's just kind of fallen into it I think when I first came home from that run and said well this is what I need to do he was a bit horrified but he's like what what are you gonna do now (laughs) but yeah no we um we he's been a he's a massive support because I think it helps so much having someone around you that kind of champions it and and can see that it's he you know we can see very quickly that it was doing really positive things for my body after years of kind of struggling with it so yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful that he supports me, but also joins joins in with me to do it. Oh, I know that makes such a difference. Now, did he need to lose any weight or was he hoping, no, hoping he's to really, lose? Okay. those really annoying people that just uh-huh. has an amazing metabolism and never gains any weight and could eat chips every single day and it would do him no harm. So no, he didn't need to lose any weight, but he has lost some weight and he's a runner. He's a, you know, he runs longer distances than me and his, he's running kind of really good speeds, like better speeds than he's run for years and years and years. So fasting's done really good stuff for his body besides the weight loss. You know, it's it's those non-scale victories for him as well. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because sometimes people worry that they, they won't be able to run their long distances if they're fasting and he, he's running faster than he was before. I think that says it all. Nothing to be afraid of. Your body can adapt. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our bodies are amazing, aren't they? And they, you know, I think we do a, a, a misservice when we think we have to constantly feed them when you stop and think about what that's doing to your body. Well, you just feel such a striking difference, you know. Whenever I have a day where I eat all day, those are rare now, but but if I start eating early and have like a, well, for me, a long window would be eight hours now. (laughs) Eight hours feels like I just ate all day. But if I have a day like that, I feel so much more sluggish. And it makes me remember why I don't like to do that. It feels so much better. I always think about um, hotel breakfasts before fasting. So if you go and stay in a hotel and you have a really good big breakfast the next day, and I just remember that feeling of having a really big breakfast and then probably having to get in the car to travel on to wherever you're traveling to or going home, just feeling really uncomfortable and sluggish and sleepy. And now I think, oh gosh, I know why that was. And I'm, I don't ever need to feel like that again because I can I can eat the meals that I know make me feel better without that horrible sluggish feeling. So true. So true. And I I really don't ever want to feel like that again. I don't, I mean, I'm sure I will. I know I will. (laughs) Because sometimes we eat, it might be Christmas day and we're eating early because it's Christmas day. And and then by two o'clock, you're like, oh, is it midnight? (laughs) Time for bed. (laughs) Yeah. So, but, but, you know, it is so much better to not feel that way. So we are, are coming close to the end. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I was thinking about this earlier and I would say to somebody that this is this is a lifestyle this is far more than just about losing weight this is about understanding how your body works and functions and how you can support it 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 will change your life that is so true it it really really will and just understanding what it's doing in the body is the really the best thing I think that you can do because you will never stop. You know, I talked earlier about not understanding the clean fast when I started because I hadn't read the obesity code yet. And once you understand why you want to keep insulin low and why you, then you're, you don't want, you start to prize that time. You, you value it and you appreciate what's happening, the good things that are happening. And you don't want to give that up. No, no, absolutely. You can, you can see what the positive effect it's having on your body. Absolutely. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Oh, thank you. And thank you for your wonderful books and your wonderful podcast and and being such a, you know, amazing inspiration in this community that I feel so privileged to have found. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on.
Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. Is winner go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges that will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win $200 million. Thousands, not $200,000. Prepare, because it's about to be ugly crying. Lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The GOAT, stream free on Amazon Freebie or Prime Video. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast, American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.